Well, good morning. My name is Travis Simpson, and I am the Discipleship and Missions Minister here at the church at Lachlan Springs. I am very happy to be here to be able to talk with you this morning, and I am thrilled that you, are, that you have decided to worship with us online. Um, I hope you had a good weekend. I hope you were able to find some time to relax. I hope you spent some time maybe reading a book or exercising. Maybe you found time to do some chores around the house. Maybe you spent time with neighbors and friends. More than all of that, I hope that you made time to be with the Lord. That you spent some time in His Word. That you spent some time in prayer. That you spent some time meditating and listening to His Spirit who lives within you and has sealed you as a promise, as one of His own. And that is what, in fact, drove you to be with us in worship here this morning at this time. Yeah, I keep saying the word time over and over again because that is what we're going to be speaking about and talking about this morning. You see, David came to me a couple of weeks ago and said, I'm going to be suffering for Jesus on the beach, so I want you to preach about stewarding God's time and his opportunities. As we continue in our summer sermon series about stewardship, David has spoken about stewarding your finances, stewarding your relationships, stewarding your talents. And this morning, I am going to be speaking from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. That's Ephesians 5. 15 through 17 is going to be our central text, and I'm going to be speaking about stewarding time or stewarding our opportunities. So if you would, go ahead and grab your scriptures, grab your text, grab your Bible, open to Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, or pull up your app, whichever you want to use. I hope you grab a pen. Maybe you can jot down some notes, write something here or there as we go through this lesson this morning. For those of you who are in here with me, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And for those of you at home, God's Word is holy, it is sacred, no matter whether you are in this church building or in your pajamas with a cup of coffee in your own house. So I'm going to ask you to stand as well as I read God's Word written thousands of years for this specific moment in time. Pay careful attention then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. King Jesus, in this moment... Through the power of your spirit, illuminate your words to us. Open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears and help us to steward this time well. It is in your holy and precious and powerful name I pray. Amen. Y'all can grab a seat. Before I get into the scriptural exposition this morning, I'm going to start with a little vocabulary lesson. I know, I know, you all woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to hear a vocab lesson. But that's where we're going to start. So this morning, I'm going to talk about one of the words that we utilize all the time and where its origin came from. Many of you know, I'm sure, from your educational background that a 
a lot of our words came from a Latin origin. Latin was spoken thousands of years ago, and it's no longer spoken, but because of the root of those origins, many times we use a word today that references back to the the time when they spoke Latin. And back then, there were not modern harbors. So when a ship was to come into a port, many times it had to stay out in the harbor where the water was deep. Otherwise, it would run aground before it ever made it to the port. And it would stay out in the harbor where the water was deep, and the captain and the first mate would wait for a flood tide to come in. And when the flood tide rose, it allowed the water depth to grow, or to deepen, rather, and the ship could make it the rest of the way into the actual port where they could offload all of their materials and complete the task that the captain had been given. He had delivered his materials to the port. But before he could do that, he had to stay out in the harbor where the water was deep, and he had to use his senses while he was out there. He had to watch the tide. He had to use his eyes and pay attention to the wind so that he was prepared for that flood tide as it came in. Well, while the ship was standing or sitting out in the water, in the Latin, it was referred to as ab portu, out of the port. So as it sat there, as it sat there, ab portu, the captain waited for the opportunity to come in to the harbor. He waited for the flood tide as he set ab portu to make his opportune time to come in. And that is where our word opportunity comes from. It comes from ab portu, out of port, where the captain waited and watched for the right moment where he could bring the ship in and deliver the task he had been assigned. Well, you and I all know from the time we're born until the time we die that our time is limited, that we have limited opportunities in this life to do things. And the world is going to tell us that because of that, we should find out what we love to do and do it. You do you, and I'll do me, and we'll all be good. That'll all make us, that'll make us all happy. Or they're going to tell you, figure out what makes you happy, work your tail off till you get to it, and then you'll be good. And yes, there's some truth in those things, but as Christ followers, we understand that our time here, our opportunities here, well, they're a little more important than just what makes me happy and what I love to do. And that is what Paul is talking about as he writes his letter to the church at Ephesus. So as you look at the 15th verse, pay careful attention then how you walk. In other words, look carefully then how you walk. And this word walk is not a description of how we get from point A to point B, but rather it is how we live, what we do, what we say. So pay careful attention then, brothers and sisters at the church of Ephesus, how you live because you need to be not unwise, but rather wise. Don't be a stumbling block for your other brothers and sisters. Don't be a stumbling block for those who do not yet know Christ. Rather, work in a way, live in a way, speak in a way, walk in a way that edifies the body of Christ, that encourages brothers and sisters. Pay careful attention because the world is watching, Christian, and they are deciding whether or not they want to be a Christian many times by the way we engage with them. It can be a barrier or it can be a help in the way we walk and live. So Paul says, be wise, not unwise, making the best use of 
The time. Well, this time, the word time here is a key word in this passage. And in the Greek, this word is kairos. It's a word that you've probably heard preached upon before. But a kairos is a special, favorable season that God has provided. It is an opportunity. Many times it was a short opportunity or a brief opportunity. It is a season of life. So make the best use of this time because the days are evil. What do you mean, Paul? You're writing to the church. You're writing to brothers and sisters. What, why are the days evil? Well, surrounded, as the church was surrounded, as the brothers and sisters were surrounded by everything going on in this world, Paul was referencing the brokenness in the world. The days are evil. This world is impacted by our sin. People, them, you, me, we are still sinful even though we are followers of Christ. The days are evil. Therefore, make the best use of this season. Make the best use of this time. Steward your life and your opportunities well. Well, how do I do that? Well, Paul writes, as ministers of the Lord, as a holy people, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, as a commanded body, make disciples. That's Matthew 28, right? Therefore, go making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. We are all called to make disciples. That is how we make the best use of our kairos. How do we do that? We do that by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and searching, and we leave the results up to the Holy Spirit. We do that by having what we call gospel conversations. That takes place when we share our testimony with those who live outside of Christ in the times that days are evil, with those who live in the broken world. That is how we make the best use. That is how we steward our opportunities. We share the love of Jesus with the lost and searching. We see opportunities to make disciples and we step into them. That is how we steward a kairos well. Believers are supposed to live carefully, to live wisely, to live skillfully, and to share the good news of Jesus with the lost and searching and leaving the results up to the Holy Spirit. That is how we steward our kairos. Well, you're in luck this morning. I have a real-life example here with me, and I'm going to go ahead and ask... Mr. Chase Black, to come on up here and join me. Um, For those of you that don't know, Chase was our interim preschool and children's minister for basically a year. Um, But about four to six weeks ago, I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact timeline, Chase. Chase took on a full-time gig and is no longer working in that capacity. But Chase, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. If you would, sir, tell us what was going on in your life before God approached you with this opportunity. So I had moved here to Nashville about a year before then um, and had joined this church, had found community and was really feeling, starting to feel at home. Um, My wife had just found out that she was pregnant with our son, Henry, who is eight months old now. 
Um, I had moved my investment firm here from Shreveport, Louisiana, and things were not going very well. Uh, I was losing clients at the time, and I was struggling with the decision whether to um, shut that down or to, um, you know, to, to fight it and try to, to build that back up. Um, and also at that time, Brittany had had me start uh, volunteering in the nursery uh, to practice for when our child arrived. <laughs> smart. Yes. Very smart. When you first considered becoming the interim preschool children's minister, what were you doing before that, and were there any hesitations? Before that, like I said, I was managing my investment firm, managing some real estate properties, um, and really struggling with that. What am I going to do next if I decide not to continue doing this? Gotcha. Um, and um, I, I had no idea. So your hesitations then were, which way do I go with which this? Which way do I go? And when the opportunity presented itself, my biggest thing was, I don't feel equipped to teach middle school children. Um, I felt that their questions would be too good for the knowledge that I have to provide adequate answers. Um, and that was really my only hold up. But that was taken care of. Um, the middle school class has phenomenal volunteers. Um, so God took that out of my hands. And I, he took, said, you're worried about that? Don't be. He took control of that. What call, is that what caused you to move forward and take the position? Uh, a lot of prayer about it. Um, and uh, being pushed by my wife to do it. Okay. Uh, and just my love of kids. Yeah, very good. So, so once you were in the role, how often did you get to share the gospel? How often did you get to talk about Jesus? A lot more than before. Uh, it, and the way that came about is people would be like, what are you doing? I'm the children's minister at our church. People other than the children you were working people with. People other than the children I was working with. And uh, you can ask anybody if they would have thought that that would have been a role that I would be in. They would have all bet against that. Um, and so that just, it makes people feel more comfortable uh, and willing to uh, open up about their relationships and uh, ask questions on how I ended up there. Do I like it? What does that entail? Um, so a uh, hundred times more gospel conversations than before. Not even including the kids that you were sharing Not gospel stories with every morning. No. And, and continues to do um, faithfully as we wait for our full-time minister to come into or our part-time minister to fill this role. Chase, thank you so much for, You're welcome. You, for the opportunity that you took hold of, that you stewarded so well working with our children. And thank you for being here this morning and explaining that to everyone. Thank as you. Chase runs, runs back to his seat, um, I want to make sure you heard a couple of things that Chase said. One, that he was prayerful. Um, in this calling, he prayed through it. Two, that he did not feel equipped, but that in his faithful obedience, God took care of the barrier that was bothering him. Three, because he willfully and faithfully obeyed and stewarded the kairos that God had presented before him, God opened doors to engage in gospel conversations, gospel conversations and share his glory with people a hundred times more than what he would have and probably 
would ha- probably would have been involved in. So Chase, thank you so much for your faithful stewardship of your time here as preschool and children's minister. I think I, I hear the standing ovation online for you right now, my friend. Paul continues in the 17th verse, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be foolish. In some other translations, that word says senseless. And when I think foolish or senseless, I think about the gray matter between my ears. I think about my mind. But when I sit there and I try to work on the word senseless and I think through it and meditate on it, I think, okay, if I'm not being senseless, I am using my senses. And when I say it that way, it refers me back to the captain who set Abportu in the harbor and utilized his eyes and his ears and his mind and his intuition to watch the tide in the water to seek out the opportunity to fulfill his task. Therefore, do not be senseless, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? How many times have you thought it? How many times have you heard it inside the church building? If I only knew what God's will for my life was, then I'd do it. Did you see what I did there? If I only knew what God's will for my life was. That's not what the text says. If I only knew, or rather understand, what the will of the Lord is. Those last three words for my life are not there because that is not what God is promising us in this moment. The very first word of the sentence is therefore, and it refers back to the previous sentences, and that key word time is kairos. That's what it's referencing back to. Understand, do not be foolish, do not be senseless, but understand what the Lord's will is in this kairos, brothers and sisters in Christ. My grace is sufficient for today. If he gave us the will for the entirety of our lives, we would then think we have control and we can take care of everything and we would walk on our own. He is wiser than us and he knows I will give you grace sufficient for, the, for today. And if you walk around with your senses, with your eyes open and your heart open to his Holy Spirit, he will let you understand what his will is. It is to make the best use to steward well the time or opportunities or seasons that you have been and are being given. Our life is but a vapor. It will be over in an instant. But the things and words that we do and say in his will are eternal. And we are called to steward that season, that opportunity, well. Sometimes that opportunity is very brief. It's a 30-second conversation where we share the gospel of Jesus and leave the results up to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that opportunity is a year long, just like Chase in his service here as a preschool and children's minister. Sometimes that opportunity is three years long, just like Paul in his missionary journey. We do not know the length of the season. It is not important when we faithfully obey day after day. 
That is how we steward faithfully an opportunity. As we have, or as pastor has concluded every sermon for the most part during this sermon series, he has referred back to Ephesians 2. So I'm going to ask you to open your text again if you've closed it. If you haven't, turn back a page or two if you have a larger study Bible. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And basically, the passage says this, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not for works, so that no one can boast. And then the 10th verse is where I want you to anchor down right now. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, hear this, hear this, which God prepared ahead of time. For us to do, for us to walk in. We are his workmanship. Every one of us are uniquely, wonderfully, and intentionally made and formed in the womb of our mother. And at the same time beforehand, God prepared good works for us to do. He prepared opportunities, kairos, is for us to steward. You are individually and uniquely made in a different way than I am. You have skills and talents and gifts that I do not have. You have relationships and vocabulary that I do not have, but allows you to speak into the kairos that God specifically prepared ahead of time so that you can bring light into darkness, so that you can speak life into death. So that you can share the good news of Jesus in the time of evil days and bring, again, life. Bring life into death. If we will just steward the kairos well. For some of us, stewarding that kairos is about joining a small group. Finding someone who's further down the path that's willing to disciple them. Finding someone who's not as far down the path with Jesus and discipling them. For some of us, it's about going on a mission journey to Greece in October and November of this year. For some of us, it's about praying about missions journeys in 2021. For some of us, it's about finding a place to serve in this community. For some of you, it's about having a gospel conversation with that neighbor who does not know Jesus. For some of you, it's about serving the preschool and children's uh, area. For some of us, this kairos is over. This season is ending. And God is calling us to move to a new location to do cross-cultural ministry for an unknown amount of time. Just like the captain of that ship sitting ab portu, waiting for the moment to complete his task. You are in control of this moment. Steward it well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, over the next 15 seconds, please use your Holy Spirit and speak.
I pray that our eyes and our hearts and our ears and our minds are open to this very season that you call us to steward. This very moment where you call us and speak to us, Lord. May we do so, may we respond in a way that glorifies you. May we steward this opportunity well. For you are worthy. We thank you for your work on the cross in our place and for our sins. And it is to you that we give all the glory and power and majesty and dominion for all time. Amen.